Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 289. Today is May 20th, 2019. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, hey, today I want to ignore all the ups and downs and the drama of the day-to-day stock market. I haven't changed my opinions or my positions. So for now, we're just going to leave those where they are. What I'd like to do in today's episode is discuss some issues with franchising. I get a lot of questions about people that are interested in buying a franchise, and it's been quite a while since we've had an episode on it. So today, I'd like to give you the seven top mistakes that I think people make either when they're buying a franchise or when they're new to running a franchise. Now, hey, full disclosure on this, I recently had a discussion with someone about franchising, and I thought it would be a good time to do this episode while these seven reasons were on the top of my mind. Now, having said that, if you ask me tomorrow, I may only come up with five reasons, or the order may change around a little bit. So this isn't meant to be an all-inclusive, absolute hack or secret on why people fail in franchises. And you know me, I don't believe in any absolute paths anyways. I never believe that there's one way to do anything, or that there's some secret hack out there, or whatever the latest buzzword is to call it. Hey, listen, I'm just going to pass on some knowledge and wisdom that I've gained over the years, in reference to franchising. And again, full disclosure, I'll mention that I personally have never owned a franchise. I've spent a lot of time investigating them and looking at them as the ones that I might want to invest in, but I never actually pulled the trigger. However, I do have clients that successfully own and operate franchises, and I've also talked to a lot of people and counseled with a lot of people over the years as to whether they should or shouldn't buy a franchise or the problems they're having with their existing franchise. The other thing I'll mention is that although I'm addressing these issues as dealing with franchises, this can really be applied to any type of small business endeavor you're either in or you're thinking about pursuing. And even to some degree, it goes along with wealth building principle number four of identifying value. So hey, here we go. Seven mistakes that I think are common problems that people have with franchises. And these are not necessarily in any specific order other than I am going to try and do them from the least to the worst. And remember, with any type of problem or issue that you're dealing with, it only becomes relevant and important to you when you're dealing with it. So regardless of how it fits on someone else's list, if it's a clear and present danger for you today, then it's your biggest issue and it's something that you should be dealing with on a top priority. So anyways, here we go. Number seven, not owning the real estate or the property that the franchise is located on. Okay, just as an example... Imagine if you owned a McDonald's franchise, but you didn't own the real estate which the franchise is sitting on. I think that's a mistake. However, having said that, I also know that if you are dealing with something like a fast food franchise like a McDonald's or a Burger King, and if it's your first franchise acquisition, then likely you don't have enough money to own the real estate. You could probably only afford to come up with the capital to buy the franchise itself but the actual real estate value is $2 million or $5 million. So you likely don't have that, or you don't have the ability to finance the real estate purchase. That's okay, particularly in these big, major franchise acquisitions. But if it's something much smaller than that, you should really seriously consider not only buying the license to the business, but also the real estate that it sits on. And even if it's something you can't do initially, it should be in your long-term business strategy to own that property. I think it's a good long-term diversification strategy because you not only have money in the business itself, but you're also gaining that long-term appreciation from owning the real estate. And that can be really important down the road someday when you're looking towards your exit strategy. 
because what many business owners do when they own their own real estate and the business, when they get ready to either retire or at least cut back on their working hours and they want to exit from their business, they can sell the business itself but hold on to the real estate. The rent and the lease from owning that real estate continues to pay them money for as long as they continue to hold it and in most cases, they hold it forever. So again, if it's something you're just starting out by buying a franchise or buying an existing business, you may not be able to afford the real estate today, but your long-term business strategy should at least contain the possibility of someday getting in a position where you can own the ground underneath your business. Now that takes us on to the related subject on the sixth biggest mistake, and that's the long-term business plan or business strategy itself. See, a lot of people that buy into a franchise, they believe that since they're buying into a franchise and it's kind of a cookie cutter operation and they're essentially buying a business plan, that they don't need a plan or a strategy of their own. That's a huge mistake. You always need some type of a business plan, a long-term strategy that's kind of a 30,000 foot view that's looking out into the future as to what you want that business to be and how you want it to grow. So you should have a long-term and a short-term business plan they should be based on reality and historical numbers and facts as best as you have them, but they should also be flexible so that you can change direction and tack with the changing market situations as you gain additional information about your particular market situation. And you need that even if you're going to buy a franchise. Now, having said that, that takes us to mistake number five, and that's either ignoring or not listening to the franchising business plan strategy. Now, I just talked about your own personal strategy, but if you're buying into a franchise, one of the big things that you're buying is their particular business model. That's a business plan. That's a business strategy. I'm always surprised at the number of people that I see that buy into a franchise and then either don't listen to or they ignore the franchising plan. The major reason for buying a franchise is to have access to that business strategy. And so if you don't intend on following it, then don't waste your money buying into the franchise. Now, mistake number four, and this is going to sound contradictory to the last statement I just made, but it's really not. Mistake number four is that you should not accept advice from salesmen. So what I mean by that is when the franchise is trying to sell you the franchise, you have to look at them not as your business partner, but as a salesman, because that's exactly what they are at that point of the negotiation. They're trying to sell you a product or a service. And this would also apply if you're buying a business from an individual. That individual is trying to sell you a product. He's trying to sell you his business. As in all situations, salesmen are not your advisors. They're salesmen. They're not there to be your fiduciary, to be your confidant, to do what's in your best interest, or to be your friend. Their biggest concern is generally how much of a commission are they going to make on the sale. That's what good salesmen do. And there's nothing wrong with that. You just need to know that being the consumer, it's your job to verify what the salesman is saying and to weed through all the marketing and all the BS and all the hype and perhaps all the lies and fraud as well. So prior to the sale, whether you're buying into a franchise or whether you're buying an existing business from an individual or you know whether you're buying a used car, make sure that you're validating all the information that's being given to you because if you don't, you have no one to blame but yourself. Now, as far as it relates to the franchise, once you've gotten past the sales process, once you are a team member and you've bought into that franchising family, then that's when you need to take their business strategy as gospel. That's when you don't want to vary from the plan. 
Now, the third biggest mistake I see that franchisers make or that business owners themselves make is acting and thinking like an employee and not an owner or an entrepreneur. A lot of times this is evident by the business owner being too much down in the weeds and getting involved in all the day-to-day -day minutia of the business and carrying out the functions of an hourly employee instead of working at a higher level, which is that of the owner or the entrepreneur. If you're the owner of a fast food franchise, on a day-to-day -day basis, you shouldn't be in the kitchen making fries or putting pickles on the hamburgers. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't know how to do it. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be capable of doing it and filling in at a time when you're really busy and you're trying to meet surge demand or an employee doesn't show up or you have to train another employee or a manager to do that task. Yes, you should be aware of how to do all those things. But if you're spending the vast majority of your time working on the functions of the business that can be handled by a much lower paid employee or even worse, a minimum wage employee, then from a sheer productivity standpoint, you're wasting your time. Unless you're in a very highly skilled owner-operator type situation where your efforts are being highly compensated, for example, let's just say that you're a plastic surgeon and you own your own business, well, yes, you're going to be involved in the day-to-day -day plastic surgery that's taking place. You may have other partners or other employees to help you in that endeavor, but you are a plastic surgeon. That's a highly compensated skill that you would be being paid to function as because you're an owner-operator. And likewise, if you were in a highly compensated trade skill, like maybe being an electrician or a plumber, and you were the owner-operator of your business, then yes, you would be involved in the day-to-day -day laying of pipe or connecting of wires because that requires an owner-operator at a high skill level. But you shouldn't be doing the functions of a day laborer or just pulling cable or carrying the bricks. You can hire someone at a much lower rate of pay to do those things. Your job as the business owner, as the entrepreneur, is not only in the operational aspects of making sure that things happen, that you're providing that quality product and service to your to your customers and clients but you're also responsible as the chief executive officer for all the other levels of business the sales the marketing the financing the research and development and if you're spending your time doing minimum wage work like flipping french fries then yes you may end up with the best french fries in town but you're neglecting other aspects of your business so either hire employees to do those lower skilled tasks or invest in capital equipment or automation that negates the need to have the employee in the first place. Now, the second biggest mistake that I see that either franchisees or small business owners make is that when they're initially in the acquisition stage, when they're getting ready to either buy into the franchise or buy a business or start a business, what they do is they always want to start from scratch. They always want to start with a greenfield operation, a clean slate. They want everything to be new and they want it to be theirs. They want to put their imprint on it. Listen, I don't always agree on buying used items. When it comes to a business, I like buying used. And it's sort of like when I talk about buying stocks and how I avoid initial public offerings. I prefer to invest in stocks that have a historical track record. Past performance is not necessarily an indicator of future returns. It at least gives me something to start with. And so when I'm looking at investing into a stock, if it has a history of increasing earnings, if it has a history of not only paying a dividend, but increasing the dividend over the years, if it has a history of being able to survive recessions and downturns in the economy and bouncing back, 
These are all things that I'm looking for. And that's why I'm generally not interested in buying into an IPO or some type of new technology. I know that by avoiding the cutting edge of technology, you're decreasing the potential to get astronomical earnings. But at the same point, you're also decreasing the risk for losing everything that you invest. And I found that the best way to build my net worth is to protect my principal and you do that by not taking unwarranted risks. And so if you're gonna buy into a franchise or you're thinking about getting into a business, I would encourage you to at least consider buying into an existing business. Look at those existing franchise locations that are already up and running and that are up for sale. Businesses are always up for sale, either franchise or otherwise. Owners die, owners retire, owners get divorced. Some owners are bad operators and they have run the business into the ground and they need to sell it. Or others just find out it's not for them or they want to make a different life change. But there's always businesses for sale, whether they be franchise businesses or standalone enterprises. You know, I've spent many years talking to business owners and franchisees owners, and a lot of them started from scratch. And those first few years were brutal, even when they thought they were starting their business in a geographic location that was, you know, growing and expanding. They still had to weather the storm of getting through those initial growth phases and getting profitable. If you purchase an existing business, and if you do your homework, then you know what you're getting into. You know what the sales have been, you know what the profitability is, you know what the expenses are. You can use that data, just as an actuarial would, to calculate very reliable future revenue and earnings statements, and you can use that data to determine if you're paying a fair value for that business. And if you're not seeing a business that has reliable trends in place, then don't buy it. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't buy a distressed business or a business that has declining sales, declining revenue, declining profits. That could be exactly what you want because you'll get it for a better price. But at least you know that that's the trend in place, that the numbers are realistic. And then you can address and construct your turnaround plan. If you're buying a distressed business, you're buying it with the intent of making it better. You know that the reason that sales are down is because maybe the productivity is low because there hasn't been capital investment in new technology or new equipment. Maybe sales are lacking because the business owner is old and retired and he's been milking the business and he hasn't advertised or he hasn't tried to go out and get new business in years or maybe a decade. That's great. That's exactly the kind of hidden gem business that you'd want to buy. But you're only going to know that if the records are in place for you to study and to use as a basis to construct your business plan. So before I would buy into a franchise or before I'd start a business from scratch, I'd be looking at an existing business because the foundation is there, the groundwork is there, and it has a reliable cash stream or profit margin for me to start building my own enterprise on. And finally, that takes me to the number one reason that I see businesses fail, regardless of what kind of business they are, what market they're in, whether it's an owner-operator business, whether it's a franchise, whether it's a service or a product, it doesn't matter. The number one reason I see for failure is lack of capital. And what I mean by that is, sure, you may have the money to go out and buy the business or to get started in the business. And so while you thought you had enough operating costs to last three months or six months or 12 months, well, you find out it wasn't enough. You know, whatever it is, the things that can go wrong are innumerable. So the number one thing, in my opinion, that you can do to avoid a small business failure is to have enough capital to weather the storms. Well, hey, there you have it. 
In my experience, those are the seven biggest mistakes that franchisees and other small business owners make.